Today's reading is from Ephesians 5:21 through 33. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to see you all here this morning. My name is Dave. I'm the, uh, the lead pastor here at Redemption Tucson, and it's uh, great to be here all together this morning. Um, and uh, just a heads up, if you're new or you've never heard me preach before, I want to let you all know I have a speech impediment. Um, it'll kind of come in and out as we go. And just want to give you a, a heads up. I'm not, it's not because I'm out of breath from that, uh, that incredible worship set at the beginning there, though I am. Um, give me a second. No, um, but yeah, just l- uh, l- loving that, this time together. Welcome back for some of you that were gone throughout the summer. And uh, if you're new, again, um, welcome. Glad to, to have you all here together. Um, go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. I'm sorry, 21. And uh, we're going to be in that section. In fact, we'll be in this section for the next three weeks. So I'll explain some more about that um, in a bit there. So go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles. If you don't have one with you, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, uh, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up and somebody will get you one. Okay, we want to make sure everyone has a Bible to follow along with. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalito a usted. Y uh, esta mañana estamos en Efesios capítulo 5, versículo 21. Uh, and so again, if, if you don't own a Bible, this is our gift to you, okay? want to make sure you, you keep it, you underline stuff, uh, ask questions, and, um, and, and uh, want to make sure we can all read, read God's Word together. Amen? And um, I was thinking at first, like, when Zach started to read that, I was going to make a li- little joke or something, you know, like, what's he trying to do, be divisive in here? Like, why is he, why is he reading that section, um, right? But we are indeed in, uh, in this section. And I'll just, I just want to kind of acknowledge the potential elephant in the room um, and even maybe explain where we're headed uh, this week as well as the next couple weeks, okay, is um, uh, you see there... 
in your, in your scripture, if you did actually follow, follow instructions and raise your hand and ask for one, um, you probably don't see the, um, we don't have the heading up there, but in most Bibles, there's a heading right there before verse 22 that says wives and husbands. And it's really easy to like laser focus in on a particular passage and be like, oh, this is all about wives and husbands. And in fact, even the last, um, you know, even when we said we're going to be in Ephesians, maybe some people thought, all right, wives and husbands. And like, yeah, it's been like, what, what is it? Eight, August, eight, right? Eight months we've been in Ephesians, but some of us just get so focused in on one, you know, heading and we tend to kind of break God's word up that way and miss uh, a ton, we miss really even what he's saying. And then other people, um, I, I was kind of came to faith and grew in a more Pentecostal church. And um, if you told me Ephesians, I'd jump straight ahead to chapter 6. I'd skip right over all the chapter 5 stuff. That's more for Reformed churches, right? Or um, where, Which we are. Now, um, but uh, we'd skip right over that and go straight to 6 and be like, armor. It's all about that spiritual warfare. Everything's about that. And yes, that's true. We will get to that. But we're also going to take God's word as it comes and, um, and, and be shaped by him. So um, uh, how about we pray, right? I don't want to keep talking before we pray. And then, um, so anything I just said, scratch that, okay? I hadn't prayed yet. Okay, um, no, right, we'll pray together, and then I'll, I'll explain some more as we get into our time together in, uh, in God's word. Lord, thank you for uh, your word. Lord, thank you for community. Thank you for your church, your people who you died to reconcile to yourself and to each other. Lord, thank you for this uh, incredible worship time we've had this mo- morning. I know I'm incredibly blessed um, every time I come here, whatever my week's been like, um, Lord, to hear brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, to hear different people, uh, Lord, who are all, we're all together coming before uh, your word. And though the grass withers and the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. So, Lord, as we approach this subject this morning, we ask and we trust that your spirit will oversee our time. Uh, Lord, we pray that, um, Lord, the, the words of our mouths and the, and the thoughts of our heart will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So again, as, as I mentioned there, right, some titles or headings in Bibles can get a bit, a bit, a bit tricky. We can just kind of read that and, and go and just think, okay, this is what, what this is all about and forget the, the bigger, broader scope of what's, of what's going on here, right? I, we started in verse 21, and again, you might be looking and be like, that was halfway through a sentence. It says submitting, the first word, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, and then, then there's a new heading, right? You can't just start above the heading. You gotta, um, but, but again, um, just so you know, the, the verb, um, everything that comes from this, and there is specific stuff, all right, to husbands and wives, and we'll get into this in the next couple weeks. But, but, the, but, but the, the big idea there is reverence for Christ. And then the verb there, submitting to one another, um, is the verb that everything else depends on. All right, and so what you have there um, just look ahead with me to verse 32, um, and that, that explains what this whole thing's about, all right? Paul says it right there toward the end of this whole section, this mystery is profound, and I am saying it refers to Christ in the church. So who does this refer to? Christ in the church, all right? So what's this whole section about? Christ in the church, 
All right, it's like this. Um, my wife and I in 2005 went to East Asia and, um, and we could, you could buy some DVDs and different things like that. I had some LeBrons, Jordans, all these, and none of them were legit. Um, they were all fake. And um, we bought a couple DVDs with some of our friends that were there. And, um, and so we'd, you know, watch them and stuff. And, and, and we, we made judgments on two particular movies movies at the time that were like critically acclaimed, really good. Everyone was talking about them. And my wife and I were both like, these are terrible. Um, these are really bad mo movies. We watched them. And then we got back here to the States and we were watching it with our friend who loved it. Our friend's like, I love that movie. It's, I think it was Finding Ning. Neverland, um, which was, you know, this big movie. My wife now, one of her, like, top five, right, favorites. But at the time, we're like, it was so bad. And our friend was over, like, how could you think this is a bad movie? It's incredible. And we're, and we're watching it with this friend, and then they're like, okay, stop. It just skipped, like, a massive important part of the whole movie. It just completely left that out. And so we were judging this whole deal on a counterfeit, and it was actually counterfeit, on like on a, on, a, on, a, on a false picture, which by the way, that's illegal, right? Don't do that, don't watch these things. We're young, we'll just, no. Um, okay, don't, don't focus on the wrong part of the story, right? So anyway, right, we learned our lesson. Um, I think one of those DVDs actually like blew up our DVD player, so, um, right? We got uh, justice, but, we're watching this movie and we were judging its quality on, on a fake. All right. And so what we have here is we read about marriage and we read about, and, and we'll see as it goes on um, in the, in chapter six, he starts talking about children and parents. And then next he starts talking about bond servants and masters. And what Paul's doing is he's walking through interpersonal relationships. And in, 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 in that time, in that culture, there's this, this understanding of how people relate with one another is um, kind of in a family context, all right? And it's not like we view more here in the West of like a, 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 you know, nuclear family, right? Like, you know, mom, dad, two and a half kids, dog and cat, you know, things like that. But there was this broader perspective of how people relate with one another. And so Paul walks through this on the implications of the gospel. But lest we forget, again, in verse 32, he explains, the mystery is all about the relationship between Jesus and the church. And so it's like this, okay? The, the real thing, Okay, the full movie, the, the critically acclaimed story that, that, is, that is, has transformed the entire world, that the good news of Jesus, the gospel, and then, and then as it, he works his way backward, he says different human relationships are like a picture of the gospel. They're meant to be like a signpost or a trailer, if you will, pointing to this glorious relationship between creator God and his people, his church. And so a lot of us, though, I want to acknowledge in this room, and I think it's really important before we just dive, you know, do a cannonball plunge into wives and husbands, I want to acknowledge that most of us are operating out of having viewed counterfeits, and I think it's even unhelpful if we just approach this conversation and don't recognize the uh, cultural waters that we swim in are full of pain and brokenness 
are, are, we're looking through, in many cases, distorted lenses. And so we engage a really important subject like this, and we're not going to shy away from the stuff that God has put in his word. But we need to understand first that as we talk about what is like, it could be understood as like an economy of power, right? Like how people relate with one another. And we read words like leader or head or authority. And then we read words like submit. And, and, and we're, we're looking through, again, distorted lenses. And those words are loaded. And understandably so. All right, again, like you just look at there's been abuse, there's been injustice, there's been pain in the world that we live in. And so what we need to do today, and that's why we started back at verse 21, is understanding the, the, the big idea is out of reverence for Christ, right? The main, the main idea is, is, is a picture of the gospel, all right? In short, it's this. When God created us, he said that our identity and our purpose in every relationship we have, all right? Now, okay, hear me, because we often, I think every week almost we say this, but we can tend to miss this, that the way God designed us is that our relationship with him would be fully good and, and that our identity and our purpose would come from him. And then from there, our relationship with ourselves, all right? It's something we don't often think about or talk enough about. When you look in the mirror, when you, when you, when you, when you, curse yourself, whatever it might be, our relationship with ourselves is broken. Our relationship with others, right? In marriage, between um, parents and children, in, in, in every different facet of society, there's been brokenness because sin entered in to the world. And, and in short, that word sin is essentially not God. That's essentially, God, we don't want to operate your way. We don't want to operate under your economy of power. We don't want to relate with ourselves or with each other or with you the way you designed us to. We'll, we got it figured out from here. Okay, and now picture with me when this happens, right? When sin entered in to the world, when we turned away from God, it's as though our world was turned upside down, right? There's a song, I think, that says something about that, right? But it's like, right, it's turned upside down. And so picture now, the way God designed it is that we would live fully for him, for his glory, and then we would pour ourselves out for one another. That, that we would never have a, an, an identity deficit that would lead us to relate with anyone else in an abusive or selfish way. All right, that it would be fully met by him. But when sin entered in, our, our whole structure of life was turned on its head. So now, right, we keep others down, right? We see authority and leadership and privilege and position as, and we even see other people as, 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 as people or opportunities to abuse and to use or to, or to and then we get, we get positions to hold on to and to make ourselves better and more and more propped up. And it's completely distorted and broken. And that's why this whole thing is predicated, is built upon the foundation of reverence for Christ, of who Jesus is and what he has done. Okay, that's why when he says things like, um, read with me here, I, I have a quote up here that explains this, this whole dynamic of, of how Jesus says we're to relate with one another. Right? Here's what, um, what we read. Jesus makes pronouncements such as, many who are first will be last, and the last first. And then he also says, whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. 
and the one who is greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the servant. The ethic of Jesus spells an end to self-assertiveness and self-glorifying. All right, and we're gonna get into, we'll talk about wives specifically next week and then the week after about husbands. And again, when we read that, and we'll, we'll say this again, but we probably can't say it enough. Um, it's countercultural. All right, when we talk about this, when we even read wives submit to husbands, it's completely countercultural. And again, I wanna acknowledge that. But we also need to understand that when this was written, it was equally, if not more, countercultural in that day, but for different reasons. All right, somebody read Wives Submit to Husbands, or, you know, they would read that and be like, oh, yeah, of course, right? That's how it is. Like, there's a whole pecking order. There's a diagram that we could show or that, that we'll have, um, but it's basically at the very top. It's called the Paterfamilia. Okay, this is the, the Latin um, in, this, in this time, the understanding of how, of how power structures work. And at the top is the, is the head, is the father, is men, is the senate. In this day in Rome, it was Caesar, the very top. And all kinds of people that we read and quote, um, like, like Aristotle, for example, wrote some things about that. And he talked about the, about the ethic, the necessary ethic that the person at the top of the, of the whole pyramid would be loved and that it would be um, bad leadership to even be loving. Okay, so for a father to love his, his, his children who are way down on the pecking order or his servants who are way down would be unheard of. That would be so countercultural. It would be offensive, right, to everybody. And so when you read things like, um, and again, we'll talk more about this. I don't want to kind of take away from the next couple weeks. But when you get to, when it, when it talks about um, husbands love your wives in the same way that Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her, like, it's, it would be unheard of, all right? Again, in, in like Roman, Roman um, uh, military idea was that like the general and then the people you know, kind of higher up on the food chain would be further back. And once, depending on how the war went, if it ever got even remotely close, that, you got to protect that person. Like, you got to protect the head. All right? But, but, but Jesus turns it upside down, right? He, again, it's as though when Jesus entered into our world, again, like, picture this. It looked like he was walking around on his hands, Right? People saw Jesus, this authority, a, a, a rabbi relating with untouchable people. Jesus affirming women and having women disciples and followers that, 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 he, that he gave incredible uh, respect to and dignity. And, and it would be unheard of. People saw him as like, this guy's walking around on his hands. He's completely upside down. And then, again, things like this, the first shall be last, or if you want to be great, you must become like the youngest, and the leader must be like the servant. Um, that would just be crazy talk. But that's what, what God calls his people to operate in. That's the economy of power. That's the relational dynamic he's called us to operate in. But hear me, Jesus is not only our example. He's our sustainer and an initiator. It's impossible for us to relate with one another like this, right? We try, we dig down, we grit our teeth, and if it's on our own, it's completely futile, okay? Because Jesus um, not only is our example, but he's the one that ushers this in. Look with me in Philippians chapter 2, 
in verses three through, through eight. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Again, radically countercultural statement. Any effect, uh, nope. Um, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. And then verse four, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And then verse five is, the, is, the, is, is so important. Have this mind among yourselves, not just in and of yourselves, right? Not just try harder, do better, right? Grit your teeth and do it. But have this mind among yourselves, which is yours, is only yours in Christ Jesus, Okay, it's like, okay, try, right, do this, but understand, like, direct your gaze to Jesus because you're going to fall short. You're going you're gonna to step on other people. You're going to be abusive. You're going to use whatever authority and power and influence you have for selfish gain if it's all about yourself. So direct your, your gaze, right? Set your eyes upon Jesus, and now consider what he has done. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Okay, that's as high up on the, on the pyramid as you could get. But Jesus didn't hold on to his authority. He emptied himself, verse 7, by taking the form of a servant. Again, this is offensive, unheard of language. That almighty God would ever choose to speak of himself as a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself. And then it continues to get like worse, if you will, by becoming obedient to the point of death. Okay, the point of death. Wow, that's so like a pretty dignified death, like he was beheaded or he kind of went out and no, even death on a cross, right? When we look at the cross, okay, look with me in a moment, we see, right, pain. A lot of times that's what we emphasize and you think of, man, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, died on the cross, and, and he did, and it was painful, it was, it was, it was terrible, and you watch like the passion of the, of the Christ, you know, the movie, and a lot of what you experience is the, is the pain, right? But it, and that was R, I think, right? It was R-rated movies. How many of you guys are, like grew up in churches? That was like the first R-rated movie that you ever saw. Um, I'm not making fun, just kind of acknowledging. But it, honestly, like, they, they couldn't even capture the reality of what the cross really symbolizes is that he was hanging naked. He was spit at. He was cursed. Again, language would have been thrown out. The imagery of him hanging there would have, they, like, you couldn't in a, in a picture form communicate the shame that Jesus took on. So when we talk about submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, it's understanding that the one who, and this verse goes on in chapter two. In fact, I cut it out because I had too much in here, but um, right, this can't be kept down. Um, and it isn't up here, but right, this is Jesus, right? He, he, was, he, he was shamed on the cross, verse nine. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And here's the, the outcome, all right, of, of Jesus' humility, of his descent, of the shame that he willingly took upon himself, says that, that he has been highly exalted and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, 
in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There will be this incredible worship, worship scene of adoration of Jesus. And knowing that outcome, he didn't try to shortcut it. But he willingly gave of himself. He descended to the point of lowest descent, humbling himself, submitting to the will of the Father by dying on the cross shamefully. So when you and I are called to submit to one another, it's not grit your teeth, try harder, do better. It's look to Jesus and what he has done out of reverence for him and in, in our marriages, which again, it's not, not talking about that, right? And again, we'll get into this in the next couple of weeks. But if we just talk about that, not built upon the foundation of the radical gospel, the good news of Jesus, and understand that our marriages are to be a picture of the gospel. So when there's language like submit, we think of Jesus submitting to the will of the Father, giving up power that he has for the other. When we hear of love and, and lead and lay your life down just like Jesus did, we, we can't skip over reverence for Christ, the gospel. Amen. And so now as we continue again, um, we, we need to understand that this is far-reaching, right? It's not, just, it's not just talking about, because again, the, a result of sin is, well, what's in it for me? What do I have to give up? What do I gain from this whole relationship and this economy and this and this economy of power um what's what's going on here what what do i what's in it for me or what do i lose and all and again let hear me say and we'll really hammer on this next week it, a lot of that that uh suspicion is well placed because in the church in 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 society as a whole in many of our homes the, the relational dynamic, the economy of power has been antichrist. Has been, I use what I have for me and to keep others down and to prop me up, to make my life better, to abuse those that God has entrusted to my care. Okay, so I want to acknowledge and just in, in, encourage, we will dive into that head, head first uh, in the next couple weeks. But hopefully we see here that that's not God's economy of power. That's not what Jesus m m modeled on the cross and that's not what he's calling us here to. He's saying, listen, those of you who have the more power, the more privilege, the more societal recognition, you have more to give up in order to get closer to Jesus. Okay, again, we'll, we'll talk more about that, but hopefully you understand that, that when he walks in this, in this order and he talks about husbands and wives and children and then servants, He's showing, no, okay, that in that descending order, the, 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 the lower you will, the lower you go, if you will, the closer you get to Jesus. Amen? So, so those that society says, you have all the power, you have all the privilege, you're, you're, you're up here. Well, those of us there are, are further from Jesus, and, and we need to give up more, right? We need to lay it all down in order to get closer, nearer to King Jesus who gave up everything for his bride, for his church. And this isn't just husbands and wives, all right? It is that, but it's, it's not just that. Read with me a, a, a helpful quote from Timothy Keller, who explains this. 
He says, Paul is applying to marriage a general principle about the Christian life, namely that all Christians who really understand the gospel undergo a radical change in the way they relate to people. Okay, he's saying, listen, Paul, the author here, is applying to to marriage a specific relational dynamic, right? But that's why husbands and wives or wives and husbands, whatever, like a little, a little heading that we give is so wrong, right? The majority in this room are probably single. And so you're like, all right, you know, tune out. This isn't for me or whatever. Or now's the time I feel ashamed or guilty or whatever that I'm not yet married or right. That I'm in some, so many Christian church circles, like treated like a second class sin. Hitison. Let me just point out for a moment that um, the author of this, Paul, is a single guy, okay? And then Jesus, the true author of this whole story, who has the real thing, who died to usher in the real thing, the beautiful uh, drama, the beautiful and true story, he didn't have the signpost, right? He didn't have marriage. He was single, all right, so the author of marriage, the one who's talking about how, how marriage is good, all right, I don't want us to be ashamed, those of us who aren't married or whatever, but also to not understand there's no, there's no, oh, now you've arrived or anything like this. Okay, Jesus had the real thing. He skipped over the signpost. All right, this was written so that we would, we would get the signpost, right? We would evaluate the ways we're not giving an accurate picture or description of the real thing, of the gospel in our broken marriages. So that's why he's talking this. But it's not, okay, now let's kind of look down on people that aren't yet married. And like Timothy Keller said there, this is, he's talking specifically about a, 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 a general um, truth of the gospel. Okay, All Christians who really understand the gospel undergo a radical change in the way they relate to people. And again, let's just acknowledge a result of sin. One of them that we don't talk about enough in here, often enough in kind of church circles, is individualism is the way we read things and the way we understand things is always about me and my role and all this, right? We've already talked about that some, but again, in this cultural context, they, didn't, they were further along or they were in a better place than many of us in our churches today because could, you could have a single person could read this and not just think, well, that's not talking about me. I'm not married yet and that, you know, but would understand, well, Man, many of my closest friends are, are husbands and wives. The, the family dynamic that I'm a, a part of, my community, my redemption community, not, you know, RC, but my, you know, redeemed community, uh, the people of God restored and renewed, growing in the image and likeness of Jesus together alongside one another, older and younger, cross-generationally, different, different again, um, single, uh, married, wealthy, poor, Different ethnos, different, different, uh, different languages, all kinds of different people submitting to one another, laying rights down for one another in order to be uh, the, the dwelling place of God. It said earlier back in chapter four that God dwells among us. He's chosen to set up shop in the world among his people. And so again, this, this beautiful picture of mutual submission and of, of functioning roles, and I do believe there are very clearly roles in, in marriage and in general in the body of Christ, but it's meant to, again, out of reverence for Christ. Timothy Keller elsewhere talks about it being the dance of God, 
as he talks about the, the son submitting to the will of the father and the son sending the spirit and the spirit empowering the church to do what the son in and of himself um, could not do, right? He, he sent the spirit. He said, it's better for you that I go away because I'll send a helper and you will do far more even than you can imagine, far more than even I have done, Jesus says. Because, right, he's, so you see him, him exalting the role of the spirit and the spirit always being okay, being the third, you know, kind of the third wheel as it, we tend to think of and like you know the spirit never gets worshiped in praise all right it's all about jesus getting glorified and and then right at his name every knee and will bow and tongue confess and the father though is the one who raised him from the dead and who who makes that known so you see this beautiful dance and we all okay hear me okay say all we all get to participate in this laying down of self for god's glory and the good of others okay so as we close I want to ask you, what does it look like for you to use your, your rights, your privileges, your relationships, your strength, your gifts for God's glory and the good of others? How do you do that? How are you going to do that? Well, hopefully, if you've been following along through Ephesians, okay, it's a trick question. You say, well, I can't. I can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit, right? There you go. Here's a little right, left, right? A little trick. That's right. I was testing you. But no, here, one more quote by Timothy Keller that, that explains this, okay? Because we talked about this last week, but um, our tendency is to be like, all right, God, I got it. I got it. I heard the sermon. I, I, I read the text. I've got this theology. I read this book. Now I've got it. I'll take it from here, God. And he's like, no, no, no. You, you will never take it from here. Like the second we're like, all right, I got it. And then it's like, ultimate, like just trip on our faces right away. All right, God, okay, this time I got it. All right, I got it. Think, boom, right again, like, Every time, this is what we need to understand, our constant dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Without the help of the Spirit, with a continual refilling, how often? Continual refilling of your soul's tank with the glory and love of the Lord. Such submission to the interest of the other is virtually impossible to accomplish for any length of time without becoming resentful. Oh, isn't that true? Right? Like, yeah, some of us know we've experienced this. Like, man, I'm trying. This person's really hard to love. Like, all right, but hey, I got to, right? Not, not my will, but your will, Lord, right? <laughs> like, lay it all down for the other person. And then just gets frustrating and more, more and more difficult. All right? And, but we look, like, how hard were Jesus' people? Okay, let's be real. How hard were you to love how, how hard am I to love? And that God says he demonstrates his love for us in this while we're sinners, in our most unlovable time, he demonstrates his love and that that time he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And that Jesus hung from the cross and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. That's, okay, you can't love like that outside of reverence for Christ and dependence on his Holy Spirit whom he has sent. Because otherwise we're going to be a frustrated, mean, broken group of people. Kind of like we are already outside of the good news of Jesus. So as we now get prepared, right, the foundation is laid a bit for the coming weeks. Let's remember now in our time of response as we sing, as we pray, as we give, 
as we, uh, as we come together, as we are sent out in, the, in response to the good news of Jesus, as we take communion, we remember, okay, as we take Jesus' body broken, Jesus' blood spilled, remember that in our marriages and in every other relationship we have, this counterintuitive kingdom economy of power is only possible out of reverence for Jesus. Let's pray together. Again, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that we can't skip over the hard things. Lord, because as we walk through your word, as we submit to your scriptures, we understand, we acknowledge, we recognize that we can't, um, Lord, that we will, we will mess it up time and time again. But Lord, we also are in a place where we call, you know, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, help Help us in our, in our brokenness, Lord. We recognize there are so many in this room marriages that are hanging on on life support. There are so many of us whose relationships with our dads or our moms have been so broken that we can't come before a scripture like this without wounds being exposed. And so, Lord, we pray and trust that through your spirit, not on our own strength, not because of our own wisdom or eloquence of speech, Lord, because of your grace, your undeserved favor, and Lord, your very real presence through your spirit here, we can wade into such difficult waters. Lord, because we know you're good, because you demonstrated that through your life, death, and victorious resurrection from the dead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.